Hello and welcome to another Woodshop Podcast with Mike Coffey of Coffee Custom Builds, Daniel Dunlap of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks, and Peter Kapar of Petrie's Workshop. You can find us all as well as the podcast on Instagram and YouTube. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 24 of another Woodshop Podcast. Hello, hello. Yeah, we're the threes company of podcasts, uh, which we're moving in together, right? <laughs> Mike, you're already at Dan's house and yes. I'm coming over next week. Yep. We're all going to be, you and me will be sharing Dan's basement. Can now I, I have John a real Ritter? question for you guys? Yeah, yeah. Who's the, who's the guy? Me. That's uh, fine. Look at this beard. <laughs> I don't even know any of the other, other cast names on that show. So I'll be one of the ladies. Okay. I want to be the super. Christy and... Uh, <laughs> you you want to be oh, Don Knotts? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this show's off to a ball. good start. Can you tell your Great dog stuff. to get out of here? He's trying to play ball with me. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing the same thing to me. He's confused. Usually when I do the podcast, like... It's just me talking to the computer, and he's like, "Oh, this is boring." But now should, there's like two of us. We and- should probably explain that I'm at your house since we only oh, did yeah. it for the yeah. pre-show. Well, that wasn't <laughs> I'm a at, joke. Right, I'm, at, <laughs> I'm at Dan's house right now. Uh, flew out here. It's Saturday right now that we're recording. That's we're we're actually recording a little late again, like last week. Um, but I flew out to Dan's house, and me and Rusty from Macbeth flew out here, and we helped Dan set up some stuff in his shop. We had a good time doing it, so we knocked it out really quick. It was a good time. If it was a little less oppressively hot and humid, we probably would have gotten done even quicker. <laughs> but uh, it was. Uh, it looks good out there. It's looking really organized and nice. So anyway, it was Mike is literally sitting at the famous walnut desk. He's I am the at first the desk. person to use doing it a as an run. actual desk. I have no clothes on unless you're watching the video. I'm just wearing a shirt. Uh, it's really, uh, it's really a huge desk. It really, you can't overstate the size of the desk. <laughs> um, but hey, we need to talk about our sponsor. Yes. So our sponsor this week is once again, Total Boat. Huge thank you to Total Boat for sponsoring the show. We really do appreciate them, uh, you know, helping us out, getting us going, keeping the show going up and running. And they're just really, really supportive of the community and they offer a lot of great products. They have a lot of great stuff for woodworkers and, um, they just they get it. They get it in the on the Instagram woodworking community. They they get it. They get how they can help. They get how they can be involved. And they uh, they really do a good job of what they're doing. So big big thank you to them. Big kudos. And we just really appreciate them. And you know the best way to support the show is to support our sponsors. And we just really ask that you would show them some love. And um, anyone else that helps helps us do the show, we just really appreciate it so much. So um, also individually, we have people helping us with the show, and that's our patrons, Pete. Yeah, so if if you want to continue to support the show, if you want to see more of our beautiful faces, uh, well, guess what? <laughs> now you can. Uh, with Patreon, with different tiers, you guys can help support the show, help us grow, help us put out even more content. Uh, we have just announced uh, last week that we will be taking uh, Patreon or patron-only questions for the pre-show that are no holds barred. Every question goes yep. you know well as long as it's not obviously we're not gonna bad mouth anyone or anything no. like that but we're gonna give you the honest answer we had a good one today uh from javon cheney one of our patrons uh in regards to just when to post on instagram we gave him our kind of behind the scenes what we would do yeah our thoughts so, yeah our thoughts so you can do that as well <laughs> if you sign up for patreon and of course get early access to the show uh behind the scenes with the pre-show and uh early access to the video and for those of you that are not patrons the video will now be available wednesday morning at 6 a.m it'll pop up on our youtube channel so make sure to subscribe to that another woodshop podcast on youtube 
And uh, Mike, I do believe we have some uh, new, very awesome patrons. Yeah, we did get some new patrons this week again. It blows us away every time. <laughs> we, we get new patrons Crazy. from like messages that are like, what the heck? These people, they're so great. Anyway, really seriously, so um, grateful for you guys. Um, first, we got Mike Phillips with The Otter Mill. We have Kevin McMahon. Uh, we have Casey Reeves with C Reeves work or C Reeves makes, uh, Casey's awesome. I love that guy. Uh, EL custom wood garage. He's a good dude. He's like, anyway, good dude. And hibernate timber. Hold on. I didn't get the whole name here. Hibernate timber something. I can't get the name to pop up. I'm really sorry. (laughs) Oh man. Hibernate timber company. There it is. There we go. Anyway, thank you so much to you all. We really do appreciate it so much. It's just. It's really crazy that you guys support us like that. We yes. just really do appreciate it so much. So thank you. Thank we you, will, thank, uh, you, thank you. We want to make sure that it's really important to the three of us that it's a value to you. Like you do it and it's you like you feel like you got something good out of it. So we really want to continue to add and make things available to the patrons at all tiers that are available to everyone. So we just want also, to Also I want to throw in there if <clears throat> even if you have suggestions Oh yeah. On something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get yeah. us with it. We'll, yeah. You know, we we want to hear what you think, what you yeah. what you'd like. Yep, we do want to know. We your won't necessarily do it. Oh yeah, we, we won't be asking do for it, something crazy. But we will but... listen to it. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but and seriously, of course, you know, you can reach out to us, shoot us messages. Some of you already have. Uh, we've clearly you know, we responded. We like having conversations with you guys. We have polls on there. That's how we asked <clears> about <throat> guests coming on. And and I also want to shout out uh, one other supporter of the show, and that's Sticker Beat who hooked yes. it up with stickers that you guys get as patrons. Uh, we shipped those out. And uh, the coveted Dan Dunlap Hoodworks what a uh, stupid sticker bit. that is being sent out. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we appreciate it, Sticker Beat. Thank you, guys. For I reals. sent out a bunch of Daniel Dunlap Woodworks stickers last week, thanks to Sticker yeah. Beat. And yeah. uh, I and actually I owe a few more people stickers. We got a few more VIP patrons that are getting my sticker, so... Crazy. Next week. Yeah, Dan, I'll be Dan's so selfish, he sent stickers to himself. He wouldn't want to share. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, yes. I forgot oh, about that, too. I was like, yeah, what Dan, are you talking about? Dan switched week, to stickers. Last week, when I, when I initially sent out the stickers to the VIP patrons, uh, I accidentally addressed them all to myself. <laughs> there were like 15 envelopes. And, you know, I get that I get that email every day from the USPS telling you what's coming to your mailbox. And I open it up and I was like, what? Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah. I have that all fixed now. <laughs> so I have a, a fancy new envelope I made so it can't get screwed up. So, <laughs> anyway. All well, right. Damn, Molly, since you're talking, what, what's on your bench, dude? What's, what's on, on my, my bench? bench? Max, you yeah. got to get out of here, homie. <laughs> it's like dropping this thing all over my legs. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's super confused right now. Oh, I heard that he's lightning like, oh, or that thunder, time. dude. Did you guys hear that? Yeah, I heard that. Oh, my God. Pete's going to lose power in the middle yeah. of this. Oh, I, I hope not. Um, what's on my bench? So, yeah, Mike, Mike already uh, alluded to it. Mike and Rusty from Macbeth, they flew out here on Thursday. They helped me set up my uh, dust collector. My shop is all piped now for dust collection. It's amazing. Um, so I've been working on that. Obviously, you know, the walnut desk is still in the works. Mike's actually sitting at it right now. It's kind of like 82% finished. Maybe not even that high. It's not that much finished. You have a <laughs> lot of casework to do. It's a huge desk, though. I mean, come on. Give me some credit there. I mean, oh, it's I'm pretty not, big. You, it <laughs> is huge. Yeah, you're doing it's great. It's awesome. I'm not taking away from anything. You still have a lot of work to do is all I'm saying. 
Yes. Yeah, I still have a lot of work to do on it. I'm going to be working on that well into my 50s. 80s. <laughs> so, Hoping it. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because uh, Rusty and Mike are from California and they don't deal with the humidity like we get here. No. So, yeah, it's been a little humid. And I, I think it's fine, right? The humidity level was like at 55% or something like that yesterday. It was It was bearable for me. But we went out to dinner last night. I took him out to dinner. And uh, as soon as Mike got out of the truck <laughs> after we had dinner, because I had the AC on real cold, uh, as soon as Mike got out of the truck, like his glasses fogged up instantly. I thought I went blind. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I like. I thought I went blind, or, or like, there's like, some serious medical issue. <laughs> like, ate too many what? cheese curds. Yeah, the humidity <laughs> might be a little high today. I was it might be a little. I was bad. going cheese curd blind. I was concerned. It was. <laughs> Cheese blindness. I had to take, yeah, cheese curd blindness. Yeah, I, to, I like took off my glasses. Like, oh, okay, it's not. My, I'm not dying. It's just my glasses <laughs> are covered in wetness. It was uh, anyway. Was we we've had a a great time the last few days. I I really appreciate these guys being here to help me out. And it's Rusty's currently out in my garage, my shop right now, just throwing stuff out. And I'm 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 not having like anxiety fits right now because <laughs> I may or may not have a problem. Mike may allude to that. It, when he talks about what's on his bench, but before uh-huh. he does, I want to hear what what's on Pete's bench. Uh, my bench, uh, well, it's a very large cutting board. <laughs> yeah, we'll Is that what's not. behind you right there? Yeah, that's actually the, the massive thing that's behind me. Good it's, lord, it's I thought top. that was like a desktop or something. <laughs> it basically is because we have this large, like two two foot by three foot uh, cart, like a very kind of surgical looking cart. Oh, yeah, it's like yeah. a kitchen cart. Yeah. So we just wanted to put a nice uh, top on it. So yeah, that's you mentioned that. that last week. Uh, yeah, well, I finally glued it up. <laughs> awesome. Um, and I've been making, just been making jigs anytime I have some free time for the uh, French cleat wall. So I've been putting stuff up on there and cool. I've been battling with my technology at home. My computer, um, was having some issues. So I was fixing that and I've been tuning my printer. So they're both actually good now. Good to go. I'm back in production. So, uh, that's, that's all that's on my bench. Had a pretty, uh, slow week. Sweet. Mikey. Um, I got, it's been a really busy week for me outside of just flying out to dance too. I, um, I used Rubio Monocoat products for the first time this week. Um, I used their pre-color on that coffee table that I'm still working on. Uh, it's a theme right now with me and Dan is not finishing projects. Um, I've got, <laughs> I did their, uh, intense black over the legs, their ash legs. And, um, it looks incredible. That stuff looks incredible. I'm. How does that? I'm sorry. I'm gonna cut no, you off a little bit. How does that compare to like an India ink finish? Is it? Does so, it look similar? I assume. Yeah, it, feels it, different. it actually looks very similar. Um, I think it's a bit more matted, and it has um less of a sheen to it. More the Rubio matte. is more matted. Than it's more matted than that, but it's Whoa. darker. It's hard to. It's mm. darker, but it's like more matted. I, but and it. But it. Um. It goes on way nicer than the India ink. Sorry, my my daughter's coming in clutch. She she remembered the what is the it thing we were trying to remember live from Runza. Live from Runza. <laughs> <laughs> Write it down right now. <laughs> that's awesome. Your daughter remembered. Um, Save the day. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. It's. I. It actually looks amazing. I should have done some research. Um. It's water based, and mm. I applied it. <clears throat> And it popped the grain. <laughs> so the grain has popped a little oh. bit and it's um, – but the thing is with the Rubio, when I put the actual – the clear – well, the the Rub- it's black. But when you put the finish coat over it, uh, that actually – it really does f- 
So my concern with Rubio has always been that you don't sand it to a high grit. Mm-hmm. People always say, oh, it fills in the grain and it feels soft, which it does. It feels softer than it did. I still am not certain how I feel about the product because it at 180 or 150 with the Rubio on it does not feel nearly as soft or as smooth as a finish that I've put on at 220 or 320. It just doesn't. It doesn't feel as smooth. Now, does anyone else care? Probably not. Like someone you're selling it to or making that. I understand why people do it in like a shop where they're in production because it is a very fast application process. And, you know, I know they're, they're on Walnut, especially that Rubio looks amazing on Walnut. So it really does. When I start this, um, and I'm a big Odie's fan. Like I really like Odie's a lot. I like Odie's because you can control it easier. It's thicker and you can get it into places. It doesn't run as easy. Not that the running's an issue because you buff off the Rubio, but <clears throat> like if I'm in a, if I'm in a, if I'm doing casework and I have to get into corners and stuff, I don't have to worry about it running and l- lapping over itself because you're not supposed to lap the Rubio over itself. You can't, you can't, Layer you can't like uh, coat over previous layer of Rubio. It'll look weird and get a different color. So you have to really control the application process. Um, so uh, I see the value of the Rubio and the Odie's, and those are those are kind of the products I'm probably going to use the most. Like when I do my bed, mm. it's all going to be walnut. When I do my bed, it's going to be Rubio for that whole project. Because it's going to be a lot of horizontal surfaces, at least when I'm putting on the finish. So it'll be real easy for that. I can see the value in that. So, but anyway, I'm excited for for that bed project. Because <sighs> Me too. I got, I've got, I got this one des- I want to work on too. So I've got in the future. I've got half. I've got most of it designed in Fusion already. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, what's up, Pete? Uh, no, you actually reminded me. I I found a finishing store. A yeah. place that just sells finishes this week. I totally forgot to mention it. Yeah. Uh, it's a That's place right. called Abbott. Apparently, they're all over Brooklyn, and they just opened up a place 10 minutes from here. Uh, one of the Merca reps actually recommended. They're like, oh, yeah, they're, we sell over there. They have a whole entire like small warehouse wall of general finishes, which you cannot buy anywhere locally. You can only order it online. So I can walk in there and actually get general finishes. I'm very excited to go in there and just kind of pillage and raid their uh, shelf one day. Mm, I, I, try it. I don't know At if least, you need to use the R word. Some... I wouldn't know. <laughs> raid? He said raid? Yeah, raid. raid. Oh. <laughs> oh, I thought he used gentlemen. a P in that word. Gentlemen, no. No, he said raid. It's 2020, raid, guys. Man. Come on. <laughs> I was like, raid. whoa. Uh, um, pillage anyway. and plunder. There let's, you go. Pillage and plunder. as quick as possible. Um. <laughs> I'm very excited to try out some of that stuff because I've been meaning to pick it up and... I can actually sample it there. They they have a very knowledgeable staff, so I'm cool. super stoked. Finally found like my Macbeth locally that sells good stuff. Nice. <laughs> I don't think it's that good. Um, <laughs> Not quite. They um, don't have tools. <laughs> uh, and then what else? I guess that kind of wraps up what I did on my actual bench. Then I flew out here and we worked in Dan's shop. We got some nice organizational improvements in there for Dan. I, I'm really excited with His space looks really good right now. Once it's cleaned up, it's going to look – I mean, it really is well put together right now. Getting ready for some new tools in there, which is exciting. I'm excited for Dan. The shop looks good. Yeah, we'll talk about that in the future. Yes. Um, and then the dust collection's all good. Um, and then what? there was something else I was going to mention. Oh, uh, my, my CNC. I did all the paperwork for my CNC. Yep. It's all Woo! It's all good. It's good to go. Like I'm going to be it, – It's officially happening. It's officially happening. Like, I'm going to know here more on Monday. I'll know exactly more of what's going on Monday and I'll have more of a timeline. So – I got to get going on that. That's going to occupy – I have to get the coffee table done because this old shop remodel, which is going to be the new CNC room, is going to take me probably a month and a half. 
So I need to get buddies together to help me come over because I need to gut the old shop. I need to insulate the old shop. I need to put plywood sheathing up in the whole shop. I need to redo the electrical in there. I almost feel obligated to fly out to California and help now. No, don't worry about that with this. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, don't worry about that with this. When the CNC comes, <laughs> if P- if Pete does come out, if you want to come out, you're welcome to. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see what my boss says. Yeah, it's fine. I totally get it. Um, I get it. It's your wife. <laughs> uh, um, so CNC's big. That's big information. I'm or big news. I'm excited about that. I know. And so talking cool. about it for a week now already, but it just takes a while. It's a big purchase, so I'm just kind of working on that. Yeah, Mike's. Mike's getting a one foot by one foot CNC. It's going to be getting great. a one. I'm getting a 12, 12 by 12 CNC, 12 inch by 12 inch. I can fit my pork chop on there. <laughs> my 12 inch pork chop, little play, little playback. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of it for the week. Um, I'm hanging out here at Dan's. It's Saturday now. We're flying out Sunday, uh, which is tomorrow. Uh, if you didn't know how days work. And uh, then we're going <laughs> to hop on the plane tomorrow and get back home. And then I got to wrap up this, um, this coffee table ASAP. And, you know, it kind of sucks out in California. If there's a lot of people being, uh, we got a lot of big fires again right now, just like last year. There's a lot of, apparently the, the two big fires out there are the second largest and the fourth largest fire in the state's history now. Oh, um, lovely. yeah, that's the news this morning. So, um, it's not good. Are you in any danger where you are? No, we're not near it. Area? It's just okay. the only well, thing. We're, Nebraska. Yeah. No, the, the, <laughs> huh. the only thing that's an issue right now is the air quality is really bad. So I was talking with my wife this morning and I guess it's just, um, it's really bad out there. So AQI is like in the high purple and it's like a 240 range, which is really bad air quality. Like they don't want you outside at all. That's hazardous level air quality. So wow. Yeah. That is not good. All jokes aside, that's, that's not it sucks. I feel bad for I anyone who's being affected safe. by that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Wait. that's, that's it for my week. I feel like there was something else that I'm missing, but who cares, I guess, at this point. Oh, I did release a, a new YouTube video to, uh, yeah, today. It's a good video. It's doing good. I'm really happy with it, so we'll see how it does. It's a really um, good edit. Thanks, yeah. man. I appreciate it. I really like that style. I'm starting to really like that. So that's it for that, I think. I mean, uh, do we have anything we can make fun of Pete about so we can laugh a little bit? or Not yet. We'll, okay. We're getting we'll into question. We, <laughs> <laughs> we haven't brought up oh. the, the new thing that we talk about. Oh, Pete's deep Vs? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a thing. Well, well we're not calling them V-necks anymore. They're just Pete necks. Pete necks. Pete necks. Hey, about the deep V. You know what we didn't talk about? What's that? Is how messy your shop is. <laughs> oh, see, I was hoping we'd skip right over that, guys. We're actually not taking questions today. This is the yeah, entire shop. Listen, I can't overstate how much wood is scattered all it's how like how much wood could a dd chuck <laughs> yeah, a DD it, could <laughs> chuck wood. he can't and that's why there's so much of it he can't chuck any of his wood so we've got there's like extension cords and air hoses and offcuts all over in his shop and i'm like i really don't like i like things being clean and dan clearly doesn't care that much and uh <laughs> it was like i walked in and started having like slight anxiety i was like how are we gonna do this i didn't realize it was gonna be this bad but really we we spent like maybe an hour organizing stuff and it makes it look so much better. So like an yeah. hour of cleaning is going to make it look even better. So um, yeah, like I said, Rusty's out there right now throwing I'm, stuff in the back of my truck. Yeah. <laughs> Just we, I'm going to have to make a dump run. Apparently it's bonkers. You're you going to go out there and there's going to be like your, your joiner and planer are going to be in there. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> um, but anyway, things are all that it's been a lot of fun. We've been having a lot of fun with it. So I guess we got anything else before we jump into questions here. No, nah, we should probably roll into let's questions. Got some yeah, good let's, get it, let's get into these right now. So this first one is from Adam. I don't remember what his question was about, but let's uh, – It's about woodworking. 
<laughs> hey guys, this is Adam from Adam's Custom Made. Uh, just have to say, you're the best trio on the internet, by the way. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm curious, what do you consider as far as offcuts? Uh, how do you decide what goes to the burn pile and what stays in your shop and why? <laughs> I'm going to take this one first. Thank you. So basically anything Dan has. I, no, um, I actually, <laughs> basically if it's a softwood, I don't even consider it saving an offcut from it. It goes straight into my burn pile. If it's a hardwood... I uh, I will only – I look at it and go, can I make a coaster out of this one piece of wood? And if I can't, I burn it. I, I, I can't. If I can't make – if there's something that I can't for sure make out of that one piece of wood, then I can't – I can't keep it because it's cost – it takes up space in my shop and I need to move around as fast as I can and keep things going. So, um, that's kind of my – that's the thing I've adopted in the last few months where it's like, can I turn this one piece of wood into anything – the smallest thing possible. And if it's no, it goes right into my huge garbage bin. So, Dan? See, that that's my theory as well. No, that's how I, I approach things. the last things. time you made a coaster? No. It's been a while. It's been a minute. <laughs> you cannot make a coaster out of an eighth inch thick strip that's a half an inch tall and eight feet long. <laughs> but I can make a mosaic. But you don't make mosaics. You can. You have so I did, many. I did a year ago. I know, I but you don't now. You're making desks with eight quarter tops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mike's got a point. So Dan, yeah, right? I have a bit of a problem throwing things out. So I'm not really the best person to answer this question. Probably. You should probably <laughs> what do you learn. Think, listen to the our answers and integrate. <laughs> I'm taking these. notes. I got a pen yeah, and I'm paper. Sure. I'm I'm writing so, it down. <laughs> for me, one of the best things I ever did for my shop was actually getting rid of my uh, rolling lumber cart. Yeah, they're because just trash heaps. That was it. Just like, oh, you know, this eight-inch piece of walnut that's an inch and a half by inch and a half. I'll save it for something. Oh, you know, I'll turn it one day when I have a lathe. So many and, pen blanks. Yeah, so many pen blanks. And uh, honestly, once I got rid of that, I went through all that stuff. I didn't realize how much plywood and random offcuts I had of that in there. Just threw it all out. And as far as like softwoods go. The only time I keep strips of softwoods is if they're consistent and I can make stickers out of them for uh, putting in between slabs or wood that's drying. That's it. Uh, and now everything is just it's just going in my bucket. And you know what? If I need a scrap of that piece and if it's in that bucket, I'll use it. If it's not, well, I guess I'm cutting a new piece of wood. Yep. Screw it. It's yeah, not it's, worth the time. It's not worth the time. How many times do you end up moving these things around yep. when you could spend that time cutting wood or making and, and something I have productive? A, I have a stack of thin offcuts that I'm specifically saving to make jigs for the French cleat wall. The second I'm done putting up all the tools, all that's going into trash. For plywood for me, I have actually, I have a rack outside of my house where I just throw all these, anything that's big, like a real big piece where I could turn it into like mm -hmm. a, a piece of a fixture for like my French cleat wall, like to hold a tool. I'll keep that stuff, but like <clears throat> everything else goes into a pile of right. scrap plywood that I used to start our bonfire with. Oof. So, I mean, it's Dan, plywood. Are you sweating? Are you okay, Dan? I'm okay. We can. <laughs> it's plywood. <laughs> it's, it's plywood. plywood. You can make so many things out of. Okay. But when okay. you don't actually make things out of it, it's wasting space. <laughs> if you're like, it doesn't matter. We're not going to change your mind. The point is, is Dan's crazy and he needs help. So, we're going to go on to this next <laughs> one. <laughs> this is from uh, John Grubb. He's one of our lovely patrons. He has a question about woodworking. <laughs> Hey guys, it's John from Grub Make here. Uh, love you guys. Love the show. Uh, Liberty blobbity, slab this mahogany that. What's the <laughs> all that good stuff. Got a uh, woodworking question for you here. 
when it comes to bigger projects, like physically bigger projects, tables, uh, workbenches, things like that, is there any tools, software that you guys use to make sure that things are going to be like structurally sound, um, make sure that you're not going to have any sagging, spans are too long, anything like that? I know Dan just built that big-ass walnut uh, table and uh, had to make some changes because it was seemed like it wasn't quite sturdy enough. Um, just curious what you guys do. Much appreciated. Take it easy, guys. Dan, hold on. Your dog is laying here and just ripped a huge gross <laughs> fart right on <laughs> my face. It's so gross. I Are you, you feeding him farts? Like, oh, no, what's going on? <laughs> oh, it God. smells so bad. I just heard... <laughs> <laughs> it smells, it's all those dang treats Rusty's been giving Freaking him, man. Rusty. He's been giving oh, me giving gosh, him these uh, chicken and sweet potato treats. They're just oh they're God. actually treats made of other farts. All right, Dan, <laughs> do you, how do you calculate structural loads? I'm betting I know the answer. Go ahead. Are you talking to me or Pete? Yeah, for you. Uh, you? Fusion. I I I've been sketching big projects up with Fusion thanks to Pete's help. Um, as far as structural loads go, um, I've just <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to catch crap for saying this, but I've been doing it so long that, you know, I I just kind of know uh what I can get away with and what I can't and if if I'm in the middle of a project like like what Adam said, that was Adam, right? Oh no, that was John Grubb. John Grubb. I'm John sorry, Grubb. John. Like John said, I did run into an issue in the middle of the build and I had to just kind of like uh fix it on the fly. So, that's I I don't use any software or anything. It's just kind of old school knowledge and just doing what I need to do on the fly. What about you, Pete? Uh, for me, yeah, same fusion. And I guess like for certain things, it's just common sense. If it looks like a long span, you know how a lot of these materials are going to behave. Um, you know, if you're doing it long enough and depending on what material you're using, you're like, you built the desk out of eight quarter, right? It's not going to so sag it's much. Not, it's not going to sag. Uh, but if you were using like plywood with walnut veneer and put an edge on it like you got to support that with something right so you you kind of you think about the material you're going to use but as far as a large thing mainly just for the cut list and kind of visualizing it you need some kind of drawing so for me it's fusion what about you mike uh i don't use any software um i'm probably not a great resource for this so i mean i think you just kind of look at things and you can kind of tell what's going to be an issue over time you just kind of research things but i think we've kind of discussed this before about load calcs and stuff um kind of we kind of brushed over it there's not a whole lot out there for wood there are resources i mean you can look at like what two by fours and construction grade stuff will be able to support over lengths and distances it's called load calcs but um there's not a whole lot for this stuff but i'm sure that there's engineering software you can use but it just kind of seems like one of those things it's a huge investment where you should you can probably just learn it like just over time and and just using the product. So the answer is no, I don't use something for that. So I think we can just kind of yeah. blast past that one, I think. It's a great question. Yeah. But I just I don't think we none of great none question. of us have terrible answers. Yeah, the it's, answer it's, it's hard to calculate like loads and like <clears throat> stresses. I mean, all right, so if you really want to get into it, if you are good enough with Fusion, it does actually have a structural integrity and uh, flex, basically testing. Weird It'll literally take open. your model of a desk or whatever and apply stresses and weight to it over time to show you, and it's going to highlight in blue or red or green, depending on how big the stress is. If you really want to get into it, yes, you can do it. But in most cases, you're not really going to run into something that's like a structural thing. I don't know. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're building furniture at most, not, you know... 
making buildings. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So this next question is from Lee. Lee is one of our patrons as well. Here's Lee's question. Hey guys, Lee at Regal Street Woodshop. I'd like to start using a spray gun to apply my finishes, but my experience with finishes ends at black foam brushes. Just hoping you could talk about your experiences using a spray gun if you have any. Do you prefer air powered or electric powered? Which finishes you need to thin out, stuff like that. Uh, can't wait to hear your answers. Thanks guys. Pete. I'm going to start because I don't have an answer. I'm actually curious with the exact same thing. I have a sprayer and I don't use it enough. So I'd like to know what you guys think. So Dan, go. You spray the most. I definitely prefer electric power. I mean, if you use air power spray, uh, not only do you have to have a big tank for that because you need something that can keep up with the amount of air you're you're evacuating, but uh, you also have you also have to have filters in place because air compressors will build up condensation and you don't want that mixing with your your spray finish. So you have to have all that in place. Um, I have I've used the Fuji sprayer. In the other shop I used to work at, which is a really nice sprayer, we sprayed a lot of lacquers with it. I've used a Wagner HVLP sprayer, and now I currently use a Homerite HVLP sprayer, which I love. That thing is great, and I spray a lot of water-based finishes with it, and it is so simple to use. I love it. It, it, If I can use that over brushing on or something, I will choose that 100% of the time. But sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes you have to do like a wipe on finish or a a, a Rubio or something. Now, are you but I cutting love spraying it at all? Finishes. Are you What's cutting that? the finish at all? Are you cutting it in any way? No, not with that home right. No, I use I use water based polyurethane straight out of the can, just dump it in. It's 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 a great sprayer, and I'm not saying that because they're paying me to say it. They did send me one, but it is a fantastic sprayer. I gave my old Wagner sprayer to my neighbor because the home right is so good. I'm actually thinking about getting a second one just for using different finishes. Hmm. What about you, Mike? Uh, I don't have a lot of experience with sprayers. I do have two home rights and a Wagner. <clears throat> They're the same machine, basically. Um, the Wagner I have is their 2400 Pro, 2400 PSI Pro, which I think is basically on par with the home right. So basically, oh God, Max. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, so bad. It's so bad. Here. Oh God. Um, Oh, Jesus. <laughs> That's really bad. Uh, it's basically uh, three of the same sprayer. So one I have for um, – one of the home rights is uh, for water poly. And then the – I bought they have one called like the quick finish or something like that. It's like 50 bucks. It's not strong enough to push paint through. But for clear finishes, it's it's for – and since I don't paint anything, it's perfect. So I bought that as well. And uh, I, I actually have armor seal in that one. And then in the Wagner – I actually have it because I just had one. I didn't even realize I had it before I got the Wagner. I had it in a box. I got it a long time ago before I ever got into woodworking. And um, I have that one set aside for for spraying lacquer. Mm. So they all – the hoppers are – it's like what Dan said. I just buy the can. Like what is that size? Pints? I think it's a little over. A quart? It might be a quart. Yeah, quart. quart. Anyway, you just pour that quart into the hopper. It holds that whole thing. That's where I store my finish. Yep. I just store it in there. Oh, you actually I keep, keep it in, it in, in there. Out of the yep. light in it. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just stays in there. And then you just make sure you clean off the tip whenever you're using the thing. So I really like that home right. I know that the um, the Fujis, the Fujis are like like the next yeah, level. They're like really they're nice. like not, it's not even, it's like a whole different thing. Um, Mike's hot that? tip, clean the tip. Hey. Yeah, clean the tip. Mm-hmm. All you, uh, seriously, it just gets a little buildup on there and you just 
click it off, you just take it off with your fingernail and it's, it goes right back to spraying like normal. You just store it in there. That's where I, I, I get the can. I open it right up and pour it right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I really like spraying, um, uh, polycrylic. I really like that stuff. It has a UV inhibitor in there. The min, the, uh, what's the other Verithane? one? Verithane. Um, one is nice. I was using that on a, st- on stuff, but I, b- I bought the polycrylic. It has a UV inhibitor in it and I really like how that sprays a lot. Yeah. Um, and then I have lacquer in my, in my Wagner, but I haven't sprayed it yet because I haven't had it. It's just so, st- it smells so bad. You got to do it outside. Mm. Uh, but it dries so fast. The lacquer dries so fast when you spray it. It atomizes like, anyway, it's really nice. Mm. I really like spraying. The eight, the home right is a really great first sprayer. The entry point is like 50 bucks for the quick finish. Yep. Um, and it's just really great. I really do recommend it. Uh, the, the Fuji sprays are like, I think like the big boss daddy Fuji is like, Fifteen or sixteen hundred dollars, but if you're spraying like all day long, it's it pays right. for itself in like in like no time because it's just the it's the best one. So uh, there's you know it's all about what you're doing and what you want to do. But learning how to spray is really good, and when you've got a big furniture piece like a huge horizontal surface, it can save you a ton of time. And if you're trying to move some stuff out or you plan on selling things, it's going to make you money really quick. So I think they're uh, it's funny. They're definitely worth. The you're sitting investment. at that 14 foot desk, and I'm not spraying it. I'm using yeah, all white by hand, poly. Right? <laughs> sounds a, that sounds like a Dunlap move to me. <laughs> <laughs> it does feel incredible, guys. Like I can't overstate that. It looks really good. The pictures Dan puts online does it's not. It's hard to get a picture of justice. that and make it look good because it's yeah. so big. Yep. Anyway, um, please continue. There you go. I like this. <laughs> so this next one is from – oh, I just got to say, last week we got caught up. We had Jason on, which was awesome. We really enjoyed having Jason on. Josh the dad calls in every week and he's so awesome. He always calls in with a good question. He's got that great radio voice. He's an audio snob and he always makes sure his audio sounds great. And I didn't play his question last week. So I really do apologize to Josh. That's all entirely on me. We, we ran out of time, but I always like to play Josh's right after the patron questions. And I just, we were just, things were kind of crazy with Jason on. So I apologize to Josh. But this question is from Josh the dad from the big IG. And I don't know if I've got the right one here. I'm not sure which one I'm playing. And hopefully it's the right one. Here we go. Hey guys, it's Josh the dad. Yep. Josh the dad, one of the big IG or better known now as J the D trying to meet my contractual agreement and sneak this under the wire if I can, but. You know, I'm out driving the bus today for summer care, and it's full of little kids, and it got me thinking. The wood shop and kids. So, Mike and Dan, I know this is mainly for you, Pete. You're going to get married soon. You might have younglings, so something to think about. Mike and Dan, your kids, do you bring them out in the shop? And when you bring them out in the shop, what are you doing with them? Are you having them help you? Are you trying to teach them things? Or are you just bringing them out and letting them play in the shop? So, just want to get your perspective on the whole kids in the shop and being that good role model as a dad for them hey have a great week stay out of trouble dan so last year when i was doing all those mosaics you know the pieces of wood you guys want to throw out um <laughs> <laughs> i actually brought my kids in the shop with me and we we worked on those mosaics together and there's actually a bunch in my house here of mosaics that my kids built they were super into that but with doing big client projects, I'm I'm not going to bring them in the shop with me. You know, I'm, not only am I dealing with heavy pieces of material that could really hurt somebody if they fell on their foot or something, but 
this is stuff that people are paying me a lot of money to do. So I, you know, yeah. I gotta, I gotta control every bit of it. And my ki- other than those mosaics, my kids really have no interest in being out there with me, which is kind of unfortunate, but maybe someday I'll get back into the mosaics thing. And, but when I do that, I won't have any more wood to use. Maybe if it wasn't an obstacle course to, maybe if it wasn't an obstacle course to go. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Mike? Do you get your boy out there? Yeah, Jack actually really likes coming in the shop and it's kind of always been like he comes out there and play, he likes like getting onto my work, my outfeed table and just playing with offcuts and like turning them into like a town or whatever. And he kind of just does whatever. Um, and he just likes being out there when I'm working and he has his own earmuffs. I put his earmuffs on him. So, cause the tools get kind of loud. So he does that. But lately, like the more, the quieter tools, like the drum sander, especially he loves having me feed the feed stuff through and he grabs it from the other side and runs it over to me, oh, which I think cool. is so fun. Aww. Like I, I love having him out there. Like he's like, daddy, daddy, let's use the big, he calls it the big saw, but it's a sander. He <laughs> so he said, he says, let's do the big saw. Everything's a saw out there. So, um, we'll do that tool. And then what's the other one? Oh, he loves the, I have that little baby bandsaw. He says, Hey dad, let's go use my bandsaw. He thinks it's his cause it's small. <laughs> <laughs> so he says, dad, let's go use my bandsaw. So I, I like, I legit love having Jack out there. It's like my, I just love it. It's so fun. Even if he's just playing on my outfit and I'm doing stuff, if it's quiet enough, it's just like the best. I love having him out there. The thing is, is you can't like force it with kids because no. they'll hate yeah. it. So like if your kid doesn't want to come out, then you just kind of be like, okay, that's, that's unfortunate. But if your kid does, you just kind of want to let them do what they want to do. That's my opinion. No, that's accurate. I don't know I feel. about parenting, but I mean, um, you know, you don't want to be like, hey, come work on this with me. Because then they're going to be like, oh, no. that just makes it not enjoyable. Um, it's like broccoli. <laughs> um, you just have to – if they like it, cool. If they don't like it, just, you know, Mac don't force and cheese it is. Okay. But, yeah. <laughs> so, it's uh, – but, yes, Jack gets out there and it's it's pretty great. So, um, I love it. Um, I don't want to say, hey, Pete, we're going to skip you. But we're going to skip you on this one because – I don't know. I, I, so, well, I it's will, not no, attack. I will, it's I will add Pete's something. Pete's daughter comes out there. Yes, add something. Add something. Sometimes. There yes, it is. There's His the daughter. Joke. Um, no, but I I teach kids at the woodworking school. True. Good point. Yeah. Insight. So, Give us insight. Uh, usually, it's uh, the age group. I think is around like nine to fifteen is the age group. Uh, and basically, the way I like to approach it with them because it, it's usually you know four to six kids. It's you can't be hovering over each one of the kids. So I've had to learn to just kind of trust. And I found that the kids had more respect for the tools when I was kind of like, all right, let me show you how to use the miter saw. Okay, let me watch you do one cut. And then I can step back, still watch you, but step back. Uh, they seem to respect the tool and kind of, you know, ask for things to be double checked more than if I was just constantly saying, that tool's dangerous, you can't touch it. Because then they're more likely to like do it wrong or almost, I don't know. Basically, I I think it's good to place some trust in them early on with certain tools, but have them Mm -hmm. know, have a healthy respect and a little bit of fear of the tool, uh, as most of us should with these tools, but, you know, not to a point where they uh, get cocky with them or are paralyzed because they can't use them. Yeah. That's that's my only input on it. I I don't have kids of my own that I know yet, so, you know, I don't have more to add. Oh, that's good insight. Right there. For sure. Um, and this next voicemail is also from Josh, the dad, because he kept up his end of the bargain and sent in too. I, Josh, the dad, being of sound mind and body most of the time, do not hold another Woodshop podcast legally at fault for accidents that may or may not occur during recording sessions in regards to our binding contractual agreement for weekly questions. 
I now plead to the tens of fans of J the D. Please do not hold Dan, Mike, or Pete at fault, for they know not what they do. Josh the dad, out. <laughs> Josh, you're a benevolent man. That's amazing. And we really appreciate you. And le- legally, you now we're covered. Me. That's a verbal writer, yes. so we're we're good. Our contract is solid. Y- yep. The everyone call off your lawyers. Yep. <laughs> we don't have time for this. So I love that guy. Uh, uh, yeah, me too. I'm so grateful we have people like that. Um, so. Why don't actually we do – you want to do the giveaway or should let's I do, do one more? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah, knock let's it out real quick. Let's get that out of the way. Not that it's a burden, but you know. <laughs> no. Okay, so this past week we were giving away, thanks to Macbeth, sponsored by Macbeth. Yes, thank you, Macbeth. Every week Macbeth sponsors these giveaways, so big shout thank out to Macbeth. Thank you, guys. So we gave away a one-gallon tight bod speed set. Uh, $30 value and the pump, which is another $25 value. So it was a pretty dang good prize. We had a lot of entries. I I think it might be the most entries we've had so far. And uh, how many? Yeah, I think so. How how many was it? 95. I think we had a 97, but that's a lot. (laughs) Top two. It was up there. It was in the top two. Um, So the winner was uh, Bo over at Cersei Artisan Works. So I've already already reached out to him. Uh, we're going to get that sent out. Macbeth is actually going to get that sent out. Um, they don't trust us to send out these things. I wouldn't. Yeah, don't trust me, especially. <laughs> I can't even play to the correct voicemails. <laughs> so, and uh, we haven't come up with a code phrase yet, so we need to be thinking about that while I'm talking Ooh. here. Um, so, yeah. this, this week's giveaway is going to be, uh, and obviously, sponsored by Macbeth. Can't say that enough. Uh, this week's giveaway is a Liberon Neutral Wax Polish Black Bison. That's a $32 value. It's also going to be a 100-gram quadruple aught steel wool, $12 value. That's a nice steel wool. I, I got a sample in from uh, Liberon, and it's really nice. I'm going to be using that on the desk when I'm all finished, which is going to be sometime in late 2025. Um, <laughs> and it's also, it also comes with a 25 gram bar of beeswax. Ooh, so nice. that is this week's giveaway. And the secret code phrase is going to be off cut garage sale. No, no. that's, uh, I don't know if we have a, Wait, I don't no, know. I haven't uh, even thought about wood, it. Wood shop rescue. Wood, yes. sh- wood yes. shop yeah. rescue. Okay. Wood shop rescue. We'll go with wood shop rescue. <laughs> this week's code phrase, ladies right. and gentlemen, you heard it here, is wood shop rescue. Once again, yep. thank you to All Macbeth right. for sponsoring these giveaways every week. Yep. There we go. Cool. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. Wood shop rescue. Not our best one, but it will That's do. Good. I mean, the you job. went out to Dan's. You did a wood shop <laughs> rescue. It was a pilot episode. It got canceled immediately, <laughs> and we're hoping to get picked up by some other channel. Right. We'll get picked up. We'll get picked up. I feel like right. we get picked up on FX real easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is going on here? What is going on? I cannot get my phone to change over <laughs> to files. And we're stalling. And we're stalling. Okay, here we go. <laughs> stalling is great. Okay, this next question is from Adrian. She has a question about maker spaces. Check this out. Hey guys, it's Adrian over here at uh, Hickory Homestead Creations, and I just had a quick question for you guys, because I have this idea in my head, and I kind of wanted to pick your brains to see what you guys think or have come across. Um, So, have you guys ever heard of, like, a 
community studio slash workshop for woodworkers uh, because they have something similar to that here where I live uh, for pottery and um, painters, uh, but they don't have anything for uh, wood shops and I actually do have a couple people interested in this area um, So if you guys could give me some great input on that, that'd be greatly appreciated. All right Keep up the great work and you guys are hilarious. Bye Hey, thanks Daniel. for calling Adrian. Um, yep. Yeah, those are popular around here in Omaha There's uh there's at least three that I can think of that are just wood wood woodwork wow. specific uh, The big one that, that comes off the top of my head is called bench I used to have a studio space there because they have an upstairs location. I used to share a photography studio there. And it's amazing. They got like, uh, I want to say like 15 people that share in that space. And there's another one that has a massive, massive like warehouse shop space. I mean, this place has like slider saws, big giant slider table, table saws. Um, yeah, so they're really popular and they do really well. Uh, I would. I mean, if you have the the time, the capital, and the the space, yeah, go for it. That'd be great. Oh, is she asking about like starting I think, one? I thought she was. I think. I guess she, I didn't really I understand really what the actual like, question could, was. What's our take on them, and do we have any in our area? Because she doesn't really. Oh, have okay. Oh, I thought she said she but, didn't have any. And she was talking to other people about them, and but maybe maybe you uh, yeah, I wasn't real okay. sure about it either. Let's I mean, I, I like questions. that bent on it. <laughs> yeah, it just I like what I like the way you went with it. I didn't even think about start that. up one. They're great. Yeah, yep. Pete. Uh, so I work in, I guess you could call it a makerspace, but uh, in reality, I mean, all we do is wood and uh, CNC and you know epoxy and stuff like that. But we don't really do any like electrical, no metal work. Uh, there is a place uh, actually a couple towns over. I have still yet to go, but I've heard some good things about it. It's called Maker Depot. Uh, they do have a workshop, wood shop, metal shop, fabrication lab. Um, and then there's another one, a town over that's a very small, I think it started out as like a Boy Scout gathering place that did little maker things. And one day they do 3D printing, another day would be like some woodworking, but it was very, very limited. Um, so there's a couple of choices around here. I have always, always wanted to open up some kind of community space like that. Uh, I think it's very important, especially this day and age, a lot of people... Um, tend to not have shops or maybe not grow up with, you know, tools around, especially in the area I live in, it's all apartments or multi-family homes. So people don't really have a lot of room for shops. I'm very fortunate for you know where I live. So having places like that is very important. And if you're trying to do it as a business, potentially quite lucrative, you could say, you know, mm -hmm. if you're in the right area. I mean, there's plenty of maker spaces in New York City that make a killing. I've seen some rates and it's like $1,700 for a bench space to like keep your stuff in a corner, like a long bench. What? Yeah, like a 14 foot bench, two feet deep. That's your space. You keep your projects there and you get to use the, the actual maker space. And that's the rent you pay to have your projects in that space. I don't want to speak at a turn here, but I'm going to anyways. Um, one of the, one of the big wood shop, uh, shared wood shop spaces here there he's always like advertising on craigslist and stuff he's got a massive warehouse like i said big slider table saw and everything a uh, big jointer big big massive machines and i think his rate is only like 300 dollars a month it's so, really cheap now i'm talking about storage and personal works like personal workbench uh because you yeah like you, the get, one, you get all that yeah. there but the one i work at is um it's i think it's only like 
60 bucks or something like that a month. It's like some, I forget what the rate is because it's been a while. Uh, but you can like just basically to walk in and use it. But if you are storing stuff there, it does cost extra. And that's what a lot of these places you're going to run into. As far as starting one, um, definitely talk to some professionals about that. Uh, there's a lot of liability when people come in and use your tools. Oh, yeah. I, I've had, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've had multiple people locally ask to come over and like use my tools or work on a project with me. And I'm like, I don't know you that well. So like, you know, it, friends, yes, they'll, they'll come over. I'm covered under like friends coming over and doing some woodworking here. But uh, if I just was doing something, especially if somebody was paying me, I get into a really legal gray area. So yeah. Yeah. Somebody chops you, off a thumb. Mike? Um, I don't – there's no – not that I'm aware of. There's no maker spaces out where I live. Um, I've, I've – I've, it's nothing I'd even heard of until I heard people talking about it on different podcasts uh, or on Instagram. Um, I, I don't really know – I mean, it's not really like a densely populated urban area that I live in. I mean, it's kind of um, – I'm in the foothills out where I live out in the Sacramento Valley, but I don't know of any in Sacramento. There may be some, but I really don't know of any. Um also, like the idea of starting one, like the the liability freaks me out. Like you guys just said, like that's you got to have like some. I mean, you're pe- you're bringing people in who don't have these tools, which kind of implies they aren't familiar with these tools, which kind of implies they don't know how to use these tools. And if they're going to use these tools and they're yours, yeah, it's a huge liability thing. Like it's just so freaky. That's like the other you, thing. It's, it's just, your tools. You yeah, know? yeah. It's they're your not tools show that the other people are using who, to those tools that you would because they're yeah. yours. If I ever opened yeah, up a space, so. it would not be my tools in there. I'd have my tools at home and it'd be shop specific. Like, first of all, saw stop all the way. But if you, you know? own it, if you own it, you're still liable oh, for the yes. outcome of someone getting hurt is what I'm saying. I'm not talking about them like treating it poorly. I'm talking about them cutting their wrist open or cutting their foot yeah. off or some super, super crazy thing. cut your foot off I don't know how they the do their foot. Saw. We're doing it's high a really kicks in a bandsaw area. <laughs> So it's just like, uh, you know, those things freak me out. But um, opening one, yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes you think you know people and then they get hurt on your property and, and things change your relationship with them and they become a different person. So um, it's just kind of, you know, I get people, like Pete said, people on here saying, hey, I'd love to come check out your shop. And I know like overall intentions are good, but I got to be like, I can't just let some guy or gal from the internet come to my shop. I have my family there. You know, you just can't. Yeah. Mm. It sounds great, and I know, like, overall, like, the intention is good with people. They just want to see the shop order, but, I, you know, I can't be like, yeah, come on over to my shop. I don't know you. We've had four conversations <laughs> yep. on, on Instagram. Come Can on I over. Can I just point out the and then, irony? And like, here? now I'm, they're, like, digging a hole in yeah. my backyard. Mike is a guy from the internet for a long sitting time. in my house recording a podcast. But we've known each other for, like, a year, and we've met before. Like, it's different. While, while it's his funny, friend but. is loading up the back of Dan's truck with Dan's stuff about <laughs> yeah, to drive away. Yeah, I just away. met Rusty. I don't know this guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the point is, is it gets, yeah. it gets a little like dicey. You're like, Hey, you know, I don't know. You know, you, you can, I mean, someone you talk to in DMS on right. Instagram, you don't know right. that person. Like you don't really know that person and it gets kind of, um, real dicey, yeah, you definitely. know? So it just, but anyway, in terms of the makerspace stuff goes, um, I think the idea of them, it's like, man, that's so cool that people who, who aren't sure about. Because woodworking is really expensive. Like it's it a is. really expensive hobby and the, the tools are so pricey. And, you know, if you're getting into into it, it gets really – It's a high cost of entry. 
It really is. Well, it's not even that. It's not even just that. I mean, you can get all the hobbyist tools for cheap, but as you like start to get past like, oh, this tool isn't going to work anymore or it keeps breaking down its crap, you start looking at, at the expense of some of these tools. It gets really disheartening. You're like, man, I'm never going to have those tools. And the idea of a makerspace where you can pay, you know, I don't know, about 1700 bucks a month. Yeah. That's insane this is, to me. I don't know why anyone would Manhattan ever. and Brooklyn. That's people like – But you can buy every tool. I mean, I know this, it, I know it's like real estate. No one has the space there. That's so the it's just like at that point. That's literally all it is. Yeah. yeah, that is. I mean, I get it. But I also just like just move at that point. But um, like it, um, but it's like, uh, you know, you get this opportunity. You pay like a couple hundred bucks or whatever and you get to go to this place and you don't have to store the tools. You don't have to clean up the mess. Actually, I don't know. Maybe you do have to clean Usually, up your mess. I actually don't know the rules on those things. You leave it um, better than you but, found it is the rule of thumb. Is that the yeah. rule? Okay. Well, so, I mean, you get to go use these tools that you would normally cost you a lot of money to get a hold of and – I really like the idea of them. So I'll stop rambling on. I don't know much about them. But I personally, the, I the, want to open one up in the future. That is one of mine and Emma's goals, like a hard goal that we have. So we'd like to do that eventually. Um, but thank you for asking cool. a question. That was great. Let's, we're already at 54 minutes. So let's jump into these next yeah, questions yeah. real quick. Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Annabelle with Taurus Workshop. Uh, my question for you all is, uh, what strategy did y'all use in obtaining or upgrading your shop uh, with tools? Did y'all just take the hit and invest in tools that would increase efficiency in your work? Or did you take, take it slow and save up to a new tool uh, using profits from work that you're doing? I'm currently looking at the Festool Domino. Uh, which will help a ton in efficiency and diversity in my work. But I'm hesitant to drop the money now, uh, but also feel that I can progress with my woodworking if I did have it. Uh, let me know what y'all's approach was like. Uh, get tools over time as needed or make the investment now and hopefully increase your productivity and get more work uh, to pay for those tools. Uh, anyways, thanks guys. I uh, initially, I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think you can, I don't think it's a good idea to like take out a huge loan, like out of the gate and get a bunch of tools. I think it's just a bad idea. You're going to get, you're going to be in a, it's going to be bite you in the butt really bad. Um, I think that kind of at any level of woodworking, there's a slow buildup. There, you start out with – even if you go to school to be – if you go to a trade school to be a cabinet guy, you're going to go work at a cabinet shop as like an intern or as an apprentice and you're going to actually start working there with no tools and then after a few months, you're going to have some tools and then after a year, you're going to have a few tools and then you're going to have a few more tools and then eventually, you're going to be going on your own and at that point, you'll have the tools you need to get the job done and then after a couple of years, you're going to have the tools that make you get the job done faster and all these upgrades get you the job done faster. Um I really believe in investing in those tools with the money you've made from those tools. Um, I also believe that if it's something you just enjoy doing, um, I think it's okay to spend money on something you love doing. Mm -hmm. I know some people are just cheap and don't want to spend any money on stuff. I don't do this full time. I'd like to do this full time and that's what I'm working towards. Um, but even if you just do it as something that makes you happy, I think there's nothing wrong with investing in your own happiness because why work all day every day to not spend money on yourself? Because taking money to the grave does you no good. Like if you die with a pile of cash, you've wasted your money in my opinion. 
If you spent your money during your lifetime, you've enjoyed your money. And that is the best way to have your money is to spend it and enjoy it on yourself. So um, I don't, I want to end up when I die, have my bank account balance just hit zero 10 minutes before I die. That's my goal in life is to spend every single penny I ever make up until the minute I die. That's what I want to do because that's how I see my, that's how I do my life. But for a business strategy, I think that you need to buy the tool. If you feel a tool is going to take you to that next level that you want to go and can realistically progress to, I think you're a fool if you don't do that. I think that you're going to be investing in your productivity and when you invest in your productivity, you can get projects done faster. And when you can get projects done faster, you're going to make more money. And when you make more money, you can buy another tool that makes your projects go faster and you can make more money. And then when you, and it's a cycle, you keep getting this tool that makes your projects go faster and make you more money. And eventually you just have this crazy shop and you're like at peak efficiency over like a, in like a five year period and you're just killing it. I, that's, that's my approach to it. Pete. So I talked to somebody recently on Instagram that hit me up because they needed an unbiased opinion. And uh, their situation was they got a bunch of tools and a lot of lumber to try to go a little more heavy on the woodworking while they were working on another job. And then they lost said job and they were in a really big panic. Uh, he's good now. He's got a lot of business since we had that conversation. So that's good. It's working out. Uh, plus, he's still looking for work. But you never want to be in that situation. Um, it, the thing is, there's no one answer. There's, yes, yeah, certain tools, like for me, certain tools I see, I slowly upgrade over time. Every time I buy one, I'm selling the old one. So it's kind of offsetting the cost that each time makes that step up a little easier. But then there's certain tools that you just buy once, cry once because it's worth every penny. And as far as what Mike said, like, you don't want to be going into debt over this. Absolutely agree. I cash is king. And the only person I borrow money from for the shop and shop tools is from myself, from my personal money, because I try to keep the shop finances completely separate. And my 3D printing and woodworking pays for the tools I get. And when I got the CNC, I borrowed money from myself. And then I paid myself back from the shop. That's the way I look at it. What about you, Dan? You run this as a business. You're going to have the most insight. I... I've upgraded everything over time and, and Mike can attest to this because he's seen my shop now. Like, <laughs> no, legit. Like I'm still using tools that I need to upgrade in the future. Like my bench top jointer and my bench top planer. And you know, they work for the time and for what I use, but over time I do want to upgrade these and I probably will. Um, so I'm a firm believer in upgrading over time and using the profits that you're, that you're making to upgrade said tools. Um, I will not, I will not condone spending everything on making me happy because I do like to save and I, I like to have a, 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 an emergency fund for things. <laughs> and I'm sure Mike does too. But, uh, I think you guys hit every, every point that I would make, you know, it, don't, don't throw yourself into debt trying to, uh, run a business and make money, uh, upgrade things over time. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Uh, yeah, you definitely don't want to be irresponsible. You don't want to put yourself in a position where your family or your life is at risk. If something, if, if your revenue stream stops, you need to be able to still right. live your life. Yeah. Um, definitely. That's definitely the truth. Okay. So this next question is from Brandon with B folk. Here we go. Hey guys, Brandon from B folk handmade on Instagram. Uh, question for you around the drill press. I'm uh, just kind of wondering what speed 
you guys normally use for it? What RPM is, do you have your drill presses set to? And how often you change that? Um, if it's for different wood species or different bit sizes, if you're drilling with a quarter inch bit to a massive Forstner bit, um, how often you actually change the speed on your drill press. I've had my drill press for about a year and I can think of two times that I've played around with the speed. So I'm just wondering if this is something that I should be doing or just set it to one RPM and forget about it. Uh, thanks. Love the show. Keep up the great work. Pete. Uh, Dan. I think Dan wants to say something. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I, say I have a little, a little drill press that I actually need to upgrade. <clears throat> that kind of goes on the, on the last question. But it's all manually set speed-wise. I set it on the, the slowest. Two belts? Yeah. I set it on the slowest setting. Set it and forget it. It's probably not the best way to go, but I don't want to be messing with it Same. all the time. So I set it on the slowest speed because, you know, slower speed works for bigger Forstner bits and stuff. So go ahead, Pete. Uh, so I usually don't do a lot of bigger stuff. It's a lot of, a lot of times I just like, I got to tap a hole or two or uh, put a smaller Forstner bit in there. So I keep it at, I think it's at 1500 on there with the two belts. And I have it set on that. Fifteen, maybe I'm thinking of too high of a number, but I think it's around that. It's like a thousand and fifteen hundred because it's like a range on mine. Um, and so you just do straight bits. You don't do a lot of forceners. I then? do some, but smaller ones, up to maybe an inch and oh, a gotcha. quarter usually for most At things. Fifteen hundred. I think that's smokes. what it is. I'll double yeah, check while you're talking. That's super. <laughs> um, but I, anytime I'm doing a lot of repetitive stuff, I will actually kind of, uh, or if I'm working with something like, all right, I have a lot of would that might burn a lot of maple or if I'm working with any kind of metal that's when I will change uh, the belts but I like to keep it at something a little faster but nothing like it's spinning like mad because um, that's kind of on my drill press that's in the middle of the road that setting so um, that's what I keep it at what about you Mike um, I have a new kind of fancy one now but when I had my older one um, I would definitely I, I just went on Google and I Googled a uh, Forstner bit RPM chart and I just printed it out and I had it next to my chart or next to my drill press. And I actually still have that same chart because I still have to adjust my current one. But it tells you like if it's softwood or hardwood and depending on the bit, the bit size, it tells you what RPM is your optimum RPM to not burn out the bit and to not mess up the wood. So I always change it. My, I, I usually keep my drill press at about 250 to 300 RPMs is about where I keep mine. And uh, that's where they recommend for anything like uh, like three quarters of an inch or up. And it goes down even less below that. I mean, my current drill press can go down to like 100 RPMs. Wow. Um, but 250 is where my I keep mine kind of now because most of my – almost everything I do is Forstner bits and almost everything I do is over three-quarter inch because mm-hmm. um, it's mostly for like hogging out material yep. um, or setting like a flush for a bolt head or something like that, a recess for a, a bolt head. So, um, but mine's usually around, around 250 to 300 because most of my work is hardwood. I almost never work with, with softwood. So, um, that's kind of where I keep mine. You do want to do that. It will burn out your bits yep. and Forstner bits are not cheap. No. So, you do want to adjust them. Keeping it slower is good, but like if you're doing like a straight bit, like a, a Brad point bit or whatever, you can run those pretty high, like a thousand or fifteen hundred or something like that. But I don't. I just usually do that with my hand drill if I'm doing something quick, unless I need it to be precision, then I'll use my my table. But yeah, I try to keep mine adjusted as much as I can. Even when I had the pulley system one, I would change my 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 belts around. So. Yeah, and I confirmed on mine. That's it's my a twelve fifty. Uh, that's where I keep it. Yeah, but I'm mostly doing like straight taps or quick, you know, less than an inch kind of drills i don't use my mm-hmm. drill press that much but like i said when i do big gotcha. projects i do swap yeah 
Um, this next question is from Drew with the Outback Woodshop or Woodshop Outback. Excuse me. Hey guys, loving the podcast. Keep up the great work. This is Drew from Woodshop Outback. Mike, I've got a question about woodworking. <laughs> really, I've got a question about workbenches. What is your favorite feature of your workbench? Looking to build a new workbench slash outfeed table and just trying to capture some great ideas and what I need to incorporate. Thanks, guys. Pete? So my workbench, I've been talking about building a proper workbench for a while, but I really do like my crappy one. First of all, it's heavy as hell because I built the whole thing out of like two by six, um, you know, old crappy construction lumber. What's going on over there, guys? <laughs> Rusty just uh, walked in, freaked us out. <laughs> um, but the one thing I really like about it, it's made from like this, the top is uh, plywood. And then on top of it is an old, like basically like a school table like a bunch of laminates, but the top of it is shiny and uh, reflective. So nothing sticks to it. I can spill stuff on it. Epoxy could get on it. I could literally probably do a pour right on top of that table with stuff clamped down and then pick it right up. It'll pop right off. So yeah, that's one of my favorite features of it. I know it's not the prettiest, but it does the job. It's pretty good. What about you, Dan? I have the same feature with you know, a melamine top. I, yep. I love being able to just scrape glue off of it and but to go a different route, so I'm not repeating what Pete said, I like all the storage I put into my workbench. And I have a video on YouTube about it, by the way. Go check it out. Um, but, I yeah, I added a bunch of <laughs> TikTok. Um, I put a bunch of drawers in it, and I, I used up some of the space that was just kind of wasted. And I really enjoy that. I also added a surge protector to it. So there's a bunch of plugs on it so I can plug stuff into my bench. That's where I keep my, my Milwaukee batteries and stuff on the side of it. What about you, Mike? Uh, I love my outfeed table. I mean, it's a torsion box. It's dead flat. And uh, there's, you know, it, it really depends on what your approach is. I don't have a big shop. So do I need power a, on it? a space. Do you have, do you have- uh, to plug things yeah. in? No, I don't. So my, I have that little small Festool dust extractor. Mm-hmm. And it's got like tool on power if you plug the tool into the vacuum. So it's right underneath my workbench. So any of my hand power tools, I plug right into that and it's right there. And then as soon as I fire up the power. One thing I miss having is a a power in a table, which I got to add at some point. Yeah. So, I mean, I I technically do, but yeah, I mean, my table is just a torsion box top. It's just dead flat. That's what I love most about mine. It just works really well. So, um, yeah, not much to say about that. I mean, in terms of like, it depends on what your approach is going to be. Um, it's, uh, it's, um, it, it, I just wanted a big space. Yeah. I like horizontal spaces and I just wanted a big horizontal space in my shop. It's so five by five, right? That's what I did. Five that's by a nice five. Yeah. Size. It's big. Yeah. It's nice. It's center of my shop. So, um, that's our second to last question. Let's get to this last yeah. one here. This is from the rooster shed. Hey guys, this is Sean from the rooster shed workshop on the big IG. Uh, just want to say you podcast is great not a huge fan of podcasts but yours i worth listening to it every week and look forward to it uh, i have a very specific question for you guys i'm in the middle of laying out my shop and setting up the electrical and i have a 10-foot wall that i want to put my miter station on but i want to make sure i optimize the space and put the miter saw in the right spot so i have the most cutting ability and not uh, restrict myself. What's your guys' uh, opinion on, say, the location within that 10-foot 
wall. Keep up the great work. Thanks. Mike, go first. I'll jump on this one. We were kind of talking about this. We listened to, we pre-listened all the questions, but we were kind of talking about this. Um, the, uh, I did a right in the middle, four foot by four foot. And um, I wish I hadn't. I kind of wish I had done mine offset so that I had six feet on one side and two feet on another side because usually I'm not cutting wood in half. And especially if you're in a 10 foot spot, you might want to, um, you might want to offset it a bit because you're going to have, you're not going to be cutting everything down to five feet every time. And if you have a 10 foot stick of wood or an eight foot stick of wood, if you put it on, if you put it on to, uh, if you put that eight foot stick on there, you're only going to be able to cut down three feet off that thing. So, um, you really want to be able to cut offset on one, on, on that piece of wood, if that makes sense. I hope I'm not. I'm not really explaining it. No, Am I explaining, explaining this well, Pete? Well. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Um, but yeah, you. I, I think you should offset it. I would say like 70-30 or 80-20 or even 60-40. So um, that's my that's my thought on that. I agree yeah. 100% with Mike. Uh, I made my miter station and I put the miter saw right in the middle and I really wish I wouldn't have done that. And maybe someday in the future I'll fix it. But yeah, I think you should offset it for sure. What about you, Pete? Pete? Um, I was thinking the same thing. I would have just put it dead center, but you guys brought up the great point of putting it off center. I have a cart, and I just put uh, little like stands on each side if I need to cut something larger. But I'm also wondering if this 10-foot section is near the garage door, if you can actually outfeed that way as well. So that's something to consider. If you can put it in a location where you can actually stick out lumber further if your garage door is open or something like that. That's a good point. That's exactly where mine is, yeah. and it's, it's set up in a way where if I open the garage door, things can go out the door. Yeah, and mine is too. But I still wish that mine was yes, offset yes, more absolutely. the other way because um, well, ten foot board. If you're I mean, cutting two feet off of it, well, I can cut a ten foot board. I can, have the space, but, it might but the thing is, I'm you, almost right? never cutting off more than a foot or two off the end of the board. Mm. Like realistically, I'm just not. So, and if you have a stick, if you're only cutting to four foot sections, you can still move it down. And anyway, I just think that you, if you offset it a bit, you can yeah. maximize that usage space a bit more. Yes. So. Let's uh. Let's wrap this thing up. We're at an hour and 10. So um, real quick, I wanted to say thank you to everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you to our sponsor, Total Boat. We really appreciate them. Uh, thank you to Macbeth for the giveaway every week. We really appreciate them very much. Thank you to Sticker Beat for helping us with the, with the media marketing stuff, with the print media stuff. We really appreciate them. And, of course, thank you to our sponsors. And overall, thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you for all the sharing of the show. We really do ask that you do that. If you're not a patron, that's not a problem at all. Uh, if you just help with sharing the show, it really helps the show grow. If you like the show, tell people that. If you don't like the show, keep it to yourself. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but yeah, we re- if you can if you could share the show, it just really helps us a lot. It helps get the word out. It really does. People do listen to other people's recommendations on things, and it just really helps us out a lot. So, also five star reviews. Um, only. on on the on the iTunes uh, really really appreciate it um, and then your voicemails the audio quality keeps getting better every week from everyone so please keep sending in those high quality voicemails it doesn't have to be a question it can be uh, uh, go go back to something we talked about before it can be a topic thing if say hey would can you guys just discuss this it doesn't have to be a question um, but we do want it to be sourced from the community that's our big imp- that's to us, the most important thing is that the content in the show is based around what you guys provide or your thoughts on things. Yeah. So um, if you have a voicemail, if you could send it to another woodshop podcast at gmail.com, record it on your phone in your voice memo app. Or if you want to call in, you can call in at 
Call AWP. Pete probably has the numbers. I don't yep, remember. 754-2255-297. Thank you, Pete. Um, and I think, am I missing anything yeah, else? You're, you know, you will definitely want to check us out on, of course, Instagram, on YouTube, and TikTok, because that's blowing up. And make sure <laughs> to now uh, go to youtube.com slash, actually, we don't have a, a name yet. Not yet. Yet, but no, but just find we're gonna our, put the link in for channel. another Woodshot podcast. You will be able to watch the show um, four days after the patrons watch it on Wednesday. You'll be able to check it out. And it's if you want to see us take sips and stroke our beards for an hour, it's it's amazing. Riveting. I have a problem with this beard. Yep. <laughs> so definitely check it out there. And again, big thank you to our patrons. Check us out on patreon.com slash another woodshop podcast. And a shout out to Sticker Beat for the stickers for our patrons. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you, you for listening. We love you. Bye. 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 I'm a level three rogue gnome.